0: Hi guys, welcome back to What's On Your Mind. I'm here today with Vanessa Hong. Vanessa started a blog to document her love of fashion nearly a decade ago, and at that time, she didn't foresee the success her blog, The Hot Pursuit, would have. But little did she know, it would become her full-time career. The Hot Pursuit quickly picked up a loyal audience, and the style world began to take notice. Now she's an influencer, a podcaster, and an icon who's become a staple of countless front rows. But if you ask her about her relationship with the industry, it's complicated. Nevertheless, she continues to make a profound impact on the industry and is here today to tell us about her journey. Vanessa, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you say hi?
1: Hi, it's an honor to be here. What a beautiful intro. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Thank you. So before we dive into everything why don't you give us a little rundown of who you are and what you do in your own words
1: Okay. So my name is Vanessa. Uh, I just actually moved back to Brooklyn, New York. I was previously living in Paris for the last three years. And before that, I was living here. As you mentioned, I started a blog way back in the day. We called it the blogosphere back then. This was pre-Instagram. I mean, Twitter and Facebook existed, but not really in the capacity or form it is today. And to dial even that further, I do not come from the world of fashion. I studied biochemistry and genetics um, at UBC in Vancouver, beautiful British Columbia. I'm Canadian. And it was always a pipe dream of mine to work in fashion. I felt like it was a pipe dream. My mom went to fashion school, although she didn't end up working in fashion. She worked in retail. And I've just always loved fashion. So while at my first job on the DL, I started my blog, the the oatpursuit.com, and it was just um it was like a visual diary of my outfits, of my inspirations. Really if if I think about it now, it was long form Instagram. Mm. So every day I would probably post an outfit or it would be a collection of images of things that inspired me. It could be, it really ranged from a lot of things. So from there, um, I always tell people it was kind of the perfect, it was really the, it was perfect timing. I was in the right place. I was there at the right time. And it was really, it was a confluence of, just I guess serendipity and hard work and good timing and the blog just kind of took off right away and of course you know this was like this was hard work I remember being at the office uh, really early in the morning and then leaving through the like there was um there were stairs like the back of the office because I didn't want people seeing me like in my blog clothes, like leaving the office because we had to wear, you know, there was like a dress code. I had to wear like slacks and like a blazer. Yeah. And so I just, I remember changing in like the bathroom and wearing some outfit I completely thrifted, right? Something that would, I would never be able to wear in the office yeah. and leaving yeah. through quote unquote, the back door, Um, and then going to shoot the outfit, going home, um, blogging and then posting and then doing it like all over again, five times a week. So that was, that's more or less my origin story. And back then, I think the, the fashion blogging community was, it felt, um, it felt like a family in a sense, right? Like we had never met each other. Most of these, a lot of these people I'd never met, I only knew online and we started like communicating, you know, commenting on each other's, like, again, very much similar to how people create community online now, but what myself and all of these early bloggers did predated kind of this model that we have now of like how to grow your community online. You know, we would comment on each other's uh, posts and whatnot. So from there, I left Vancouver, and I lived in Beijing for three years, and that was a really random decision to make on my part. One of my friends had just graduated from Parsons, a friend from Vancouver, and had moved to Beijing um, and started working for Ai Weiwei. Um, Parsons, I think to this day, still has a satellite campus in this, um, this art district called, uh, Qichilba in, in Beijing or seven, nine, eight in English. And so I just moved there and I have to say like, that really was the Genesis point or the beginning of my, I guess my creative reincarnation in a way, like before I left, before I left for Beijing, I cut all my hair off. Like, you know, I sold all my clothes cause I was, I felt stuck in Vancouver. And I think, you know, a lot of a lot of people may feel this way, right? When they're really young. Like I grew up in Vancouver. When I say it's granola, I mean like back, you know, like we're camping, we're like in the outdoors. I grew up skiing. And I I love that part. And like as I get older now, I'm like I I really honored that part of my childhood but I always felt like I didn't belong there and I think a lot of people feel this right Mm -hmm. and even Mm -hmm. though Vancouver now is considered like a big city when I was growing up I always felt in a way very isolated because Mm -hmm. one you know being Chinese there's a lot of Chinese people in Vancouver but I always felt like I didn't even I didn't fit in anywhere right I didn't Mm -hmm. fit in with Chinese kids I didn't fit in like with the white kids and so it was, it was, I guess in a way hard for me growing up, I had to be a chameleon. And Mm -hmm. when I had this opportunity to go to Beijing, it was, it was like a carte blanche. So when young people are like, Oh, what's the best thing I can do? I'm like, literally transplanting yourself somewhere else, and trying something entirely new. And the thing is, like, Back then, I had worked in biotech. Like when I made the decision, I worked in biotech for like a year and a half, two years. That was like the longest I could stand. And I saved all my money. And I went to Beijing without the help of my parents, you know, because my parents were like, what are you doing? (laughs) Right. Like you, like you literally have just left your job. You've just broken up with like, and I also at the time, like I've broken up with this like quote unquote like perfect boyfriend, you know, like so there were, there was a lot of, um, there were a lot of really big decisions that were being made at the time. And even like my friends were like, what are you doing? Why are you moving to this country um, that you've never been to? And, and let me just preface this by saying I've never been to China before. I'm Chinese, but I was born and raised in Vancouver. I'm fourth generation Canadian Chinese. So like that as well um, was a really big deal. But anyway, so I, I moved to Beijing and it was a really intense and wild three years of my life. But I felt like I lived like 20 years in those three years. I learned so much. I met so many people, especially in art and fashion and like people i never would have been exposed to in a million years. And again, you know, like this, if you can just learn from my story, like I really just went because I knew I had to get out of Vancouver yeah. and my friend was like, you can sleep on my couch. I slept on his couch for six months. You know, it was like me and his dog and him and his girlfriend and his girlfriend was probably like WTF. Are you still here (laughs) on her couch? (laughs) Um, But I just was so committed to, you know, I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't fulfill I know this sounds like really grandiose but like I just knew I could fulfill my destiny in Vancouver I knew ever since I was a a very small child I knew I was placed on earth for something greater than just you know this nine to five existence and the thing is like I don't even come from a nine to five family you know like I'm a child of immigrants so my whole family um were just they were just all like serial entrepreneurs right so um yeah like when I when I got to Beijing I grew a lot in those three years like I fell in love with a guy there you know I was in love for the first time I was going to galleries you know I was um seeing my friends make music make art like just really do incredible things and that was something that I hadn't even planned. Right. So I think it just kind of goes back to listening to your intuition. And if I were to look at my life, like from the beginning to now, it's always been um, it's always been like a split second decision and an impulse. There hasn't been like a lot of thought involved. And I always tell people, you know, like without Beijing, I definitely would not be here today and I wouldn't have had um, you know, all of these iterations, you know, from having a ready to wear brand to having like you know, a multi-brand store to having a podcast to like finally moving to New York like everything me leaving Vancouver and taking that first leap
0: yeah.
1: was really the starting point of mm-hmm. my life,
0: yeah. And I think we talk a lot about, you know, like this first leap and this first step. And I mean, being in that coming of age kind of period in life right now, I feel like there are so many young people who are just like you, just like you said, stuck because of where they are and the confines of what they've been given and where they've been placed because their life is just not in their control yet. You know, it's still in the control in the hands of other people. But I think, I mean, it's super liberating when it's just, okay, it's my turn. I get to do it the way I want to do it now. And I think that is when the shift truly does happen.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, in our culture, especially, I mean, especially in like North American culture, I think children and teenagers and young adults are just, like their desires and their wants are discounted because they're like, oh, you're young. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, you don't, you haven't lived life yet. Like you shouldn't do that. And I mean, luckily for me, also because my parents knew that like once I make a decision, there's no turning. I'm an Aries. So I'm like, once I see the target, I'm going for it. Like you can't change my mind. (laughs) Um, But I, you know, I meet so many young people now, and especially because so, you know, people have have access to so much more information, like young people have their shit together, you know, like, and I think not everybody does, but because when I moved to Beijing, I was, I wasn't even like 25 yet, you know, mm-hmm. and was really just in my first year first or second year out of uni working a job. Like what did I know? Right. Like I hadn't traveled to Asia before. The only like big trips I've I'd ever done was with family, right? right. But I just knew. And I think um I think sometimes we we shouldn't discount, right? Like what yeah. Younger generations feel
0: absolutely, Um,
1: or even if like you're listening to this now and you're young, you're like, oh, I want to do this, but my parents say maybe no. It's like I think if you know, you you know.
0: Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. I'm the same way. (laughs) My parents they try and tell me they're like, but I know that I'm gonna tell you. But if you want to do it anyway, you're gonna do it anyway. So just do it. So yeah, I think also that willing. I mean there's a difference. My dad always tells me there's a difference between strong-willed and stubborn, but having the, a certain degree of stubbornness and then, you know, the willpower to actually execute on what you want is also very important in this day and age.
1: Mm -hmm. Agreed.
0: Yeah. So let's touch a little bit on, you know, your, the last couple of years, I know that you have been, well, you were in Europe for the last three years and we were talking about it a little bit before the culture difference between the U S and Europe. I mean, it's, it's, it's stark difference, right? So tell us a little bit about your journey there and what you learned, um, in your experience living abroad and what you've brought here and, you know, applied to your life now. Okay. That's great. Um, so I was, Basically what
1: pushed me or what was what instigated the move to Paris was 2020. I think for a lot of us, uh, 2020 was like a a huge turning point. Um, I remember coming back from Paris Fashion Week. It was March, like already like the week or two weeks before Paris, no, like the week before Paris even started, like Milan had closed the airports. They like weren't letting any planes in or out. And I remember coming back from Paris Fashion Week and like literally New York felt normal for max like seven days. And then things started shutting down. You know, I remember like my going to my yoga studio and initially they were like, oh, we're only allowing like 20 students in the class now. Then it went from 20, then it went to 10. Then it went to like, actually like we can't have any students in here and i remember going to whole foods and this was when it really hit me like going to whole foods in williamsburg um on north third and seeing the lineup literally curl from the downstairs all the way outside like all the toilet paper was gone like all the canned food was gone and i just remember thinking oh something something's about to turn and then because my family was in Canada, and Canada had very, very strict um, rules of even Canadians re-entering. Like, that wasn't, and honestly, to be honest with you, I didn't think it was gonna be this huge thing. Like, I didn't know it was gonna be a massive, you know, horrible global pandemic. So I just thought, I'll just stay here like a month, we'll see how it goes. And then we went into lockdown, right? And, I was alone for like a hard six months. Like everyone in my building had left because I guess they had homes like upstate or whatever people were like in their bubbles, but I was in a bubble of one. And because prior to that, um, I had studied at a yoga school here in Williamsburg. Like I already had a very like strong spiritual practice Um, So, being alone is something I'm very used to. Mm -hmm. But a lot of things happened, you know, and like BLM happened, and then learning about the history of America. I'm Canadian, so like we're barely taught our own history of our country. And then I, you know, I went into a crazy deep dive, and it was just a lot. It was like a very heavy summer. Mm -hmm. And also just seeing, being in Brooklyn and hearing those sirens like at one point like every minute and seeing ambulance everywhere and people were it was I think like I mean at the time I just compartmentalized a lot of it but I remember I had to go back to Canada on a visa run because my visa had expired and um, then going to Canada and being like oh it's a completely different situation here like it's because Canada has a much smaller population. And there's very like, there's very harsh rules everywhere. Right? I remember like, oh, you can't get outside of your bubble, or else you're going to be fine this amount. So everyone was following the rules. And when I got back to New York, after being um, in Canada for a hot second, I was, was like, do I want it? I don't know how how the cookie's going to crumble here, right? Like, what if what if things, what if cases like shoot up again? I'm here by myself. I don't have insurance. Like I don't want to get sick. And so, um, I decided to pack up my apartment in Williamsburg. I put everything into like a Soho mini storage. And then while I was in Vancouver for a month and a bit, actually, yeah. So I left, I left right before, um, the end of 2020 and I was in self-isolation because I remember I spent New Year's Eve by myself 2021 New Year's Eve by myself in Vancouver because there was like a strict two-week quarantine at the time and just kind of meditating on like what do I want to do with my life like where do I want to those things kept on and these are like themes that keep questions that keep on coming up for me is what do I want to do with my life where do I want to do it and who do I want to do it with right? Because for me, my work is probably the most important thing in my life. And by work, I mean, um, you know, creating imagery or collaborating with friends or design or podcasting or creating different kind of media to to share um, with my community. That's, that's all work for me. Yeah. So those are like big questions. And when I I remember when I was a kid, I was like, oh, like I just wanna like live in two places when I grow up. Like I always wanted to live in New York City because of sleepless in Seattle. I remember watching that <laughs> and being like, that looks amazing. I wanna go there. Um, and then uh the other one was Paris, you know, and my ex, who I had met while I was living in Beijing, he was French. So I started going to France a lot. And I started be, you know, realizing how um my affinity for France was really strong. You know, I really loved, like, the pace of life, like, obviously, the food. um, And France is, for me, like, I think it's it's a really beautiful country, right? It's just not, like, it's just not Paris, the city. There's, like, you know, the north of France. There's the south of France. And it was really the pace. And I think after the year that was 2020, I just really needed a soft landing. And I needed to be in a place where I could feel inspired again. Right. Because 2020, although it was, although it was like a really heavy year, I was very busy, you know, like I was doing IG lives. I was like leading IG live meditations, you know, every single morning for my community, I really was trying to, um, I was really trying to share and be, a source of light for people at the time but I also but as a result of it right I was super burnt out and when I finally um decided I would go to Paris I was lucky because I was able to sublet like from two different mm. friends of mine nice. and I just you know I really loved it and I have to say um anyone that was in Paris in 2021 like a lot of people First of all, tourists were not going, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people were still very afraid of traveling and even European tourists, right? Like, so France, so Paris actually felt like Paris. It was quiet, you know, there was no pollution. Um, It was like nature had come back, right? And then just like, just the sweetest things, you know, you see old people walking on the streets, like, you know, just children. Running around and like playing football and like all of these crazy romantic kind of Parisian things, right? And um, being there, the timing was just really amazing. Yeah. And I have an assistant there. And so my assistant, um, you know, would help me capture content here and there. But a lot of my time was really just spent walking um, and eating and being slow um and that was like that I carry with me
0: yeah still
1: like to this day and I don't know because I've always I always was like one of those people where I'm like oh um what is it I I eat to live I don't live to eat which is like I feel like a very like American kind of like Let's just get it done kind of phenomenon let's get the protein powders in and let's like get my like macros and my whatever you know like all of these things which is fine cool like do that um but like in france it's like it's like completely antithetical right like yeah. to their way of life it's like you're sitting outside at a cafe for like five hours and it's like what are you doing nothing just sitting and watching Um, and I would sit in parks, right. And I would read books and I would listen to music and walk for like half the day, just wandering and getting lost. And it was like, it was such, it was a really incredibly like healing year for me. And I really needed that. And I needed like, I know I'd spent a lot of time alone in 2020, but being alone in Paris, like I felt like it was, it was like me in my private Paris, right? Like I felt like Uh I was getting to know the city and just going to cafes and, you know, improving my French and what I guess living mainly in Europe for the last three years, like has taught me is that it's not too much to ask for a good life, right? Like, I think here in the U S it's like, okay, you work until you reach a certain point, And then you're like, Oh, now I have enough money. Now I can like enjoy life and like do the things that I love. But like in France, the country is set up and a lot of other places in Europe, right. Are set up in that um, you can enjoy all of these things at all times, right. You can enjoy art. Like you can enjoy um, good food. You can enjoy Uh, beautiful things and not be excluded from it because you can't financially attain it or you can't financially access it. Right. And I think, yeah, like being, being in Europe, it's just taught me really to slow down. Although it's really hard now being back in New York, I think there's, I think we really don't, put enough um emphasis right on the subtle things in life the quiet things in life that really make you um a full person you're not necessarily like here i think in the u.s so much of who you are is defined by what you do yes and you know like the first thing and i get it right like the first thing people always ask is like okay other than what's your name they're like what do you do I mean, I do that as well. Um, but for me, it's a funny question because when people ask me that, well, I do a lot of things, you know, like yeah. I'm a human, you know, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, um, you know, I'm a reader of books, you know, I, um, I'm so many of these things and to be put into a box right away is very limiting. And I mean, I'm sure, yeah, people, people, I mean, people do that as well in Europe, but I think it's less so of like, oh, like give us like your whole CV, like give us a rundown of your resume. Cause that's like very American, even in like, even in Canada, you know what I mean? Like it's not necessarily like that. So I think, um, I think I really like filled out as like a human by really like learning how to slow down. um, Cause that's, that's really hard for a lot of us. And that's something, you know, I try to implement into my life and just realizing that life is really, really short. And I think we talked about this, like in our initial call, but like something crazy happened to me in Sicily, um, about a month and a half ago. Um, I was drugged um, at a hotel and, you know, I don't know if it was like a root, if it was for hypnol or if it was something else, but I was, you know, I ended up going to a bathroom stall. This is before I realized I was drugged. And I lost consciousness like three, four times in the stall. I was by myself. I hit my head multiple times. I had stitches, got three stitches above my eye and two at the back of my skull. So the back of my head was bleeding. I was bleeding from like my eye and was, you know, taken to the hospital, like in an ambulance and had a CT scan because they were afraid I had a brain bleed. Like all of, you know, like when I, I remember being in this ambulance and again, just being like, what am i doing with my life right like yeah. we're always like striving and here i am in the summer and i'm working like what am i what am i really doing
0: yeah
1: and i would hate for somebody to have to go through something like that and i mean i didn't have my life like flash you know like in front of me or anything like that yeah. but it was really like it was a it was like a watershed moment where it's like what are you really doing and i think um I think we, we think as humans that we have so much more time, right? Like when you're in your twenties, you're like, Oh my God, I have like 60 more years on the planet, like so many years to do things. And like what I've realized from my personal experience, as well as um, experience of friends and family is that like, you can really go at any moment. And I think if you're not able to live your life fully and as authentically as possible, um, it will be, I don't like to say, but yeah, it, it will kind of be a bit of a waste, right? Because yeah. like to be human in this moment is pretty effing cool, right? Like there's a lot of scary things happening, but like just to be alive in this moment and to have the capacity to to live, to love, to experience, um, it's a real blessing. So yeah, like I think, you know, being in Europe, it's really taught me to appreciate life and like savor in the small things and the quiet things because i as a creative person you know like after the whole thing that happened to me in sicily i had to take a month like i still haven't really posted anything on instagram it's like i need a break from like this constant oversaturation of like content and like you know having to create and having to consume and consumption is not only like, Oh, I'm buying things, but every time we're on social media, we're consuming okay. every time, you know, um, we are watching something on our laptops, um, we're consuming something. And for me, my, for my creative process, like I literally need a carte launch. Like I need um, to be in a vacuum of nothingness in order to clear my mind. Yep. Um, because otherwise i'm just like this hamster on the wheel. Yeah. And although i have great ideas at all times um like you're just going to like for me i just burn out and yeah, that's yeah. not like it's not a place i want to be in ever.
0: I feel like almost the the system and the society is it's structured in a way that it just kind of inevitably leads to burnout whether it's the culture oh, 100% yeah what the between the culture and you know just the ideals that were fed it's just it's just you're on a hamster wheel just waiting to keep spinning and then eventually just pass out like okay i'm done now yeah and i
1: um you know, I was thinking about this. So I journal every day as well. And like, while I was journaling, I think like, um, you know, there's, of course, there's like the one one side of me that's very much like, you know, the capitalistic mind where it's like endeavor, strive, you know, create, let's get on top. Let's like, you know, let's do it. And then there's like the other part of me that's like the yogi brain, right? That's like softer. Yeah. That's more centered. That's more like none of this shit matters. Um and it makes me think of um, of the fact that so many women nowadays suffer from autoimmune disease, right? Specifically women more so than men. And it's because as women, right, like we have so much on our plates and also, you know, like having to be um, having responsibilities you know whether you're a mother or you know you're a business owner you're all of these things and then having to be like a certain type of way right like you're a strong like successful woman then you got to do that as well and I've had friends specifically who have worked in fashion um who would always joke like Oh my God, like this job's going to kill me one day. And I remember one of my friends ended up getting cancer, right? Like a very scary form of cancer. And I think, you know, especially in fashion, it's crazy because like in 2020, we were all about like, oh, you know, like let's implement um, better systems, like um, not only with like inclusivity and and like all of these other things, but let's like um, create like a a softer, not a softer, but like an environment environment. That is more conducive to like mental well being yeah. in the industry. And it's almost like we flipped 360. So now it's like um, the opposite, right? There's like so many shows now. There's so many, like, you know, acti- there's so many things to do. And it's almost like, oh, 2020 didn't happen at all.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I don't
1: like, I, and also like I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, I don't need to struggle to get to where I want to get to because there's a difference, I I mean, everyone knows this, there's a difference between working hard and, like, working smart. Like, I put in the hours, if you ask anyone in my life, like, I am very committed, like, I will show up, I will do the work, but I think um, there's almost, like, a, a franticness, like, to the idea of, like, working hard, hard, right? Like, you're, you're overextending yourself, and it's, like, okay, like, what for? What's so... Yeah. To what? Extent? Yeah, that was kind of a very long-winded way to oh, yes. kind of circle back to um, what Europe's taught me. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, it's true. It's like, to what extent? What am I willing to sacrifice to get to where I want? Am I willing to sacrifice my health? Am I willing to sacrifice my well yeah. Am I willing to sacrifice my relationships? There's just so yeah. much that I feel like in this day and age here right now, it's kind of like all of that stuff kind of just never happened. You know, like obviously mental health has- become a huge topic of conversation but just because it's become more you know there there's there's more reason to talk about it not because people are it doesn't feel like people are trying to change anything I think slowly things are inevitably changing because of the generations that are you know cycling out but yeah nevertheless there's still this go 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 keep going like at all costs which is just not healthy
1: Yeah. And it's um, I do have to say, right, it it is a very like American phenomenon. And I really, you know, like I honor it. I'm like, yes, you do you, like you go hard, but um I just don't want that for myself anymore. Mm -hmm.
0: So just quick thing in regards to this. You were talking about the quiet things that you want or that you've started to put more emphasis on. Can you tell us quickly about what those things are and if we should be doing them and what it is we should Oh yeah. Do.
1: Okay, I have so many things. I'm like yeah. I'm like um I'm like your witchy friend that like has <laughs> all the things. Um so I this is something that actually started happening in 2020. I started walking a lot because that was really the only way. One it was like a safe way for me to exercise and yep. to like not be around anybody. So, when I was living in Williamsburg, like, I would routinely walk from Williamsburg, like, into the city. And I think, like, a lot of people started doing this. A lot of, because there was no, you know, public transportation wasn't a thing. So, a lot of people started cycling, or they started running, or they started, like, walking long distances. So, walking for me is, has been life-changing. And I know it's like, ah oh, duh, like, you know, we all walk. But I'm like, no, like, really taking yourself on a really long walk and listening to a podcast or like music or nothing at all right because I think we discover a lot when we walk um and also because a lot of my work I do alone I need to be around people so going for long walks like sitting on a bench sitting by the water kind of like sometimes eavesdropping on a conversation like it's it's nice and it's like quiet and it's like slow. I'm not running. I'm not like, oh, I have to get this done. It's oftentimes um, I'm starting at point A but I don't really know where this is gonna take me. I think um, walking has also uh, prompted me to invite more randomness randomness into my life. And I think we're not random anymore. And I think that's like where the magic is, right? Like as humans, yeah as humans, um, you know, uh, evolutionary wise, like we didn't know what was happening day to day. Right. Like as our ancestors, like every day was going to be different. So I think when we invite, um, serendipity, magic, surprise into our life, like that is, um, that's kind of like what life is all about. So walking has been really important for me. Um, Reading. I am a huge proponent of reading. I remember before 2020, all I did was read nonfiction. Again, like I'm very A-type. I'm very like, how do I get from point A to point B? How do I succeed Like mentally, financially, spiritually? But then in 2020, um, I, for the first time, started reading fiction again. So when I was growing up, actually, I was like I was a huge reader. I like read way before I should have been reading and I escaped into books. So I start reading fiction again and it's been proven like there's a whole, there's a whole swath of of benefits of reading fiction, especially when you're, when you work in the creative capacity. So I highly recommend reading, go to your local library, like um, I'm about to sign up for my library card here in Greenpoint because yes. I, I go through a book like every single week like that's I awesome. when I say I read I read like I love reading awesome. that's awesome Um, and other quiet things um, Sunday for me is like it's a, such a special day And this is something else that France taught me. Like everything is like a lot of things are closed on Sunday and Monday in Paris. Um, But if you like, you can go, if you go to like a lingerie, like early enough, you can get like a croissant or you can get a baguette and you can go home and like slowly enjoy, you know, like your food and like reading the paper or like having coffee. So that is like, that's something else I kind of encourage people to do is like, you know, when I was living in New York every single morning I was doing something Pilates running, um you know, seeing my personal trainer and I'm like, Sunday is my day of rest. It's my day of embracing nothingness. And right? And I think like um that is a very like European sentiment where I hear people like oh, let's like have brunch plans, let's do this. And I'm, you know, of course I'm doing that again here, but like, Sunday is for me. And I think, especially as women, you know, like, we are expected to um, um, constantly be around other people, you know, oh, I have to go out with my girlfriends, you know, like, I have to go see this person, or I have to be with, like, you know, my boo, or like, I have to do this. And, you know, as I'm getting older, um, I'm realizing that having solitary time is really, really important. So whatever it is that you want to do solo, whether it be um, going to the market, you know, by yourself or, farmers you know, too. sitting somewhere. Yes. You know, I live for farmer's markets. Yes. And I think that is, that's really, really important. It's always, you know, it's funny. It's always like the things that seem so, Palm drum you know yeah, that seems so basic those are really the things that we need to honor and i think a lot of people are like oh I, I don't feel comfortable being alone and it's like it's something that um it's like a skill do you know what i mean yep. like it's some it's yep. like a muscle that you want to yep. exercise and I always just like implore people to be like, aren't you curious about yourself? You know, like yeah. we are always like told to be like, oh, you need to make more friends. You know, you need to figure out who your best friend is. You need to like, you know, um, be there for your friends. Well, how about you? Like, why don't you sit down with yourself? I'm doing, have you heard of the book, The Artist's Way? It's like a self-help Like, Yeah. So I'm doing that right now. I just want to preface it. Um, some parts of the book are problematic. So don't be like Vanessa recommended me this book and I'm kind of triggered by some of the things this woman is saying, but, um, that book is all about exploring the self, like yourself and like what are the creative blocks in your life that are stopping you from kind of manifesting your, um, your most creative like work. And a lot of it is kind of like self exploration Mm -hmm. and, um, all the things that I've listed, right. Like walking, um, having a really slow Sunday on your own solo time, um, reading a book, like these are all kind of, these are all exercises in self-exploration and spending time with yourself. And that's just, I can't say enough of it. Right. Because when you hang out with a lot of people or like, you know, when you're inundated again, like if, even if you're doing, like if if you have parasocial relationships with people online, you're still outside of yourself. Right. Yep. 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 And I really, really, you know, I just implore all women, you know, especially young women to really, you know, as young as you can start really nurturing that, that inner garden, right. That inner self and, um, be curious about yourself, right? That's You're gonna surprise they're... yourself.
0: Yeah. They say that the most important relationship in your life is the one with yourself. And I mean, I totally agree with you. I feel like I get the more I take away from myself and give to other I can't, I can't fill my I can't fill others' cup before I before filling my own. That's what I've learned is just yeah. if I don't take the time for myself, I won't even be a good person for other people because I just won't I I won't be filling my own cup. So I can't give to others. Yes.
1: Yeah. For me, that's self-love. You know, self-love, it can kind of take many forms, but I really, really feel like self-love at the end of the day is um is just having curiosity, you know, for yourself Absolutely. and giving time to yes. yourself and nurturing your friendship to yourself like any other close friendship you have, you know, with an yes. outside person.
0: Yeah. Totally. Totally.
1: I think there's, I think we really don't put enough um, emphasis right on the subtle things in life, the quiet things in life that really make you a full person. You're not necess- like here, I think in the US, so much of who you are is defined by what you do. Yes. And you know, like the first thing, and I get it, right? Like the first thing people always ask is like, okay, other than what's your name, they're like, what do you do? I mean, I do that as well. Um, but for me, it's a funny question because when people ask me that, well, I do a lot of things, you know, like yeah. I'm a human, you know, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, um, you know, I'm a reader of books, you know, I, I'm i so many of these things and to be put into a box right away is very limiting and I mean I'm sure yeah people people I mean people do that as well in Europe but I think it's less so of like oh like give us like your whole CV like give us a rundown yeah. of your yeah. resume because that. that's like very American even in like even in Canada you know what I mean yeah. like it's not necessarily like that so I think um I think I really like filled out as like a human by really, like, learning how to slow down, because um, that's that's really hard for a lot of us. It is. And that's something, you know, I try to implement into my life. And just realizing that life is really, really short. And I think we talked about this, like, in our initial call, but, like, something crazy happened to me in Sicily um, about a month and a half ago. Um, I was drugged um, at a hotel and, you know, I don't know if it was like a root, if it was for hypnol or if it was something else, but I was, you know, I ended up going to a bathroom stall. This is before I realized I was drugged and I lost consciousness like three, four times in the stall. I was by myself. I hit my head multiple times. I had stitches, got three stitches above my eye and two at the back of my skull. So the back of my head was bleeding. I was bleeding from like my eye and was, you know, taken to the hospital, like in an ambulance and had a CT scan because they were afraid I had a brain bleed. Like all of, you know, like when I, I remember being in this ambulance and again, just being like, what am I doing with my life? Right. Like we're always like striving and here I am in the summer and I'm working. Like, what am I, what am I really doing? Yeah. And I would hate for somebody to have to go through something like that.
0: Okay. So Vanessa, I have one last question for you. This is a quick question that I tend to ask everyone. What is the best and worst advice you've ever received?
1: Hmm. Okay. Um, So the worst, I'll start with the worst advice because uh, back in the day when I was still in Vancouver, um, I remember, I think at this time, I just moved back from Beijing and I had, I was in a business relationship with someone that I think, first of all, was taking advantage of me. Mm. Um, And it was, yeah, it was, it was weird. And toxic in a way. And I remember him telling me like one of the last things he ever told me was you're never going to succeed without me. And the underlying message to that was you're not strong enough. And I know this is not advice, but like, this is, I remember this is like some, something someone told me and it's just always been in the back of my mind and I just remember thinking, oh, okay. So you think that was going to deter me, but now I'm really going to be using this and moving forward. Yeah. So that was like, um, yeah. And okay. Let's just talk about advice for a second because like <laughs> oftentimes like people are like, oh, like what was the best piece? And like, look, there's like, we're inundated with advice now, right? Like whether it be from podcasts, whether it be literally a stranger at the bodega, like you can be getting like all sorts of messages left, right, you know, 360 all over. And I think um, this kind of goes back to like the, the quiet things you can do, like harnessing like your inner voice. Is that a lot of the answers that you seek there within. Um, But of course, at the same time, it's always like great to kind of have like mentors like out there as well, Well, whether they be like satellite mentors or like literal mentors or parents or, you know, siblings or whatnot. The other, okay, so the good piece of advice someone once told me is you already have everything that you need to succeed. And that's more of an affirmation, I guess, right? Like I, I often like kind of dial it back and be like, everything we have on this planet was an idea. It was literally (laughs) an idea in somebody's head. Like this building was an idea. It didn't just magically, you know, spread out from the ground. It came from your mind just like how your podcast literally came from an idea that you had. And here it is, you and I are physically or whatever, like through Zoom having (laughs) a conversation, right? Um, I think for me, I mean, I, I suffer from this. Like I am a perfectionist. So sometimes I'm like, oh, things are not right. I don't have everything that I need to start. But just reminding yourself that you have everything that you need is it's enough right to get started on whatever it is that you need to get started on. Um, And yeah, I would say like, those are kind of like the two things is that you have everything that you need and kind of my non-answer answer answer (laughs) to the worst piece of advice is don't let anyone ever stop you. Like, honestly, especially like as women on this planet, we're always told like, Oh, that's like a crazy idea. Like if I had literally listened to everybody that had told me like, you're crazy. Why are you moving to Beijing? Why are you starting a blog? What is a blog? You know, how are you going to make money? Um, You can't just receive free clothes forever. Like if I had listened to every person that said, "Um, are you sure that's a good idea I would still be stuck in Vancouver. I I mean, not stuck in Vancouver, but I would be like in a way like stuck in this life that I didn't want to be living. Right. Mm -hmm. So,
0: um,
1: yeah, like if you know what you want to do, do it and, um, be very careful. Oh, this is, this is my advice for you. Be very careful and, and very discriminating about who you tell your innermost desires to, you know, whether it be like a professional desire, because um, I feel like, you know, these intuitive, like these intuitions that we have, like for myself, I like knew, you know, once I started the O pursuit, I just knew that this was my ticket way out. Like, I didn't know how, I didn't know the vehicle, like I didn't, I didn't have all the machinations down, but I knew in my heart of hearts that it was my way out. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I remember telling people some people about it and they're like, you're crazy. And then I start doubting myself. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think you really have to, and a lot of like self-help books, a lot of like spiritual books, like will say the same thing. It's like, you really have to nurture this, like, you know, like a golden egg, right. Yeah. This is your special thing. And you don't need to share that with anybody until you're ready to share it because good things take time and they take patience and they take, um, attention and I just, you know, would hate it for for you or for your listeners or for people to be like, you know, it's like when you have a great idea, of course you want to like shout it from the rooftop. Right. But Oftentimes, like that will that's going to invite, right? Sometimes negative things, negative energies into your space that you really don't need.
0: Absolutely. So
1: just be really, really cognizant of that, and um, be precious about your ideas. Be very precious about you know your intuitions because you know they come from they come from something you know beyond
0: us. And yeah, and sometimes just going back to the whole be careful who you tell your innermost desires to sometimes it's not even, I don't even want to call it secrecy. Sometimes being private is the best practice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, like it's funny because we live in this world where we're just constantly asked to share everything. Like it's nice to have your own things, right? It's nice to have like your own life and like your own sliver of privacy, like privacy and time. Like those are the most expensive things nowadays, which is wild.
0: Yep. It's true, though. Yeah. It's something that I value greatly, s- greatly. It's just there's no need to share everything because we're sharing so much already. Why share and expose more than you have to? Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vanessa, thank you so, so much for coming. This was a lovely conversation. Um, why don't you go ahead and shout out anything and everything that you'd like to shout out? Well, um,
1: I think right now, just, like, come and find me on Instagram. Say hi. I'm working on Vanessa Wants to
0: Know. So, and I'll definitely link all of your Instagrams and socials. Yeah, so great. We'll <laughs> yeah. Thank you again, Vanessa. Thank you so much. This was great. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of What's On Your Mind. Vanessa, thank you so, so much for coming. And I hope you guys have an amazing week. And I will see you all next week for another episode. Bye.